0: So Jesus is the true vine. That's a powerful truth that we as believers can hold on to. We can find glory and peace one day in him and in him alone. It is in him that we will find rest and we will find joy. It is in him who comes back for us one day and in him who sets the captives free and can break all the bondage bonds. We will find answers to life's toughest questions and hardships in him alone. Jesus is the vine. Jesus told the disciples in this teaching that God cut off every branch that bears no fruit. It is also God who prunes other branches so that they will bear more fruit. So what Jesus told the attendees that day was that through him you can find lasting salvation, but that you must bear fruit to remain in the salvation that he provides. And you will only bear fruit if you stay close to him. The only way you will bear fruit is if you learn to love his word. Listen to his still and small voice. And love him and know him every day. It's a fearful thing that some have come to know Jesus. And yet they have chosen to walk away. There are going to be branches that are cut off. There will be people who come to Jesus that will be baptized in His name and will be filled with the Holy Ghost that will walk away from Him. There are varying reasons to why people will walk away, but ultimately, in the end, the one they are walking away from is Jesus. We can think that the reasons they chose to walk away were maybe something that we did or did not do. And it is not you and me that they are walking away from. And it saddens us to see a brother or a sister, a child or a spouse walk away from God. It is one of the most heartbreaking things to watch someone slowly fade away from the power and the presence of Jesus. And that ought to be a fair warning to each and every single one of us here tonight. That even the best of us, even the strongest of us have to be aware that we are in danger of fading away. That is why Jesus made such an emphasis on how we build our faith and the relationship we have with him. Because the pruning can come from great faith and can create a stronger foundation of your faith. It can also help us to bear more fruit. And the hardships you are going through can be responded to in two ways. You have two choices. The choices are, will, will I become bitter or will I become graceful? You see, offenses come and we find ourselves in seasons of confusion for whatever reason or sin has gotten a hold of us. And it is in that moment of offense that you can find God's healing touch for your life or you can choose to reject his mercy and grace and become bitter. And this is the difference between being cut off and being pruned. The moments that seem hopeless and the offenses that come, we have a decision to make. Are we going to stand against the enemy's attempts against us? The enemy who wants to cut you off, who wants to, you at war with your friends and with your family? Are we going to give in to faith and trust God? The God who says, if you are quick to forgive, then I will be quick to forgive you. And this is how we remain in the vine. And it is a powerful truth what Jesus was saying here. I love the way that Jesus always explained things. He always took things for people who who maybe didn't have the full understanding. And he brought it to them from a way that was explained so that they could understand. They took what they know and they built upon it. That's what he did. Always drawing from the things that people would be able to understand. So we can look at what he is saying in nature. So the question is, does anyone have trees here? In their yard or at their house or anything. Anybody have trees? So the next question. Have you ever looked out over the trees in your yard? And noticed that there are limbs that seem to be barely holding on. They're looking a little frail. And these limbs or branches are not bearing fruit. They've been barren for years and look ready to give in at any moment. And So like when me and Sarah bought our house this past year... We loved, or at least I loved, the trees in our yard. And I looked out and I thought, oh, there's going to be great shade. We're going to enjoy this. So I I just admired it, you know, and it was beautiful. But our once beautiful trees quickly turned into frustration. And it seemed like it happened overnight. All those beautiful trees had a lot of weak limbs, and our backyard had thousands of limbs all over the deck, all over the yard, and even in our neighbor's yards. And it's kind of funny, when you pull up our house on Google Maps, it's like we're the only house with trees. (laughs) So I can't imagine how our neighbors feel about us. (laughs) But it was a mess. And we can be like those limbs sometimes that fall, that get damaged, and end up not bearing fruit. Because there are seasons to all things. And you know, I've never seen a branch bear fruit in the winter. Jesus was not referring to seasonal changes. Instead, he was referring to the fact that there are branches that choose to deliberately not bear fruit. Some have come to be like Pastor Foster said on Sunday, receive and never give. This is not for the new convert or the person who's first joining us, but this is for the person who has been coming for a while and is still comfortable not getting involved. You see, everyone has seasons. And some last a long while. But even in Alaska, there's a summer month or a summer season. And even in the tropics, there's a dry season. So you will have the change of your season, but you must be ready to bloom when your season changes. In verse 4, Jesus said that we are to remain in the vine, that in fact no branch not in the vine can bear fruit. He said that if you do not join yourself to the vine, or in other words, the body of Christ, you will not bear fruit. This puts some holes in the theory that some people have that they don't need the people they go to church with, or they don't need to spend time with people they go to church with. You see, the body is more substantial when those that are in the body are willing to support the other members of that body. If we abandon one another in our fellowship, then we are ignoring the very words of Christ. I need you, and you need me together. We can do so much more than if we are separate. You see, this body of Christ sometimes is going to be hard. It is going to be the shedding of tears. But other times, it's going to be the rolling on the floor laughing. It's going to be the the fun conversations that we have with one another that make us smile and give us joy. But you get both. And this is how we as Christians bear fruit. And for some, you need to learn to laugh again. And for others, it's letting tears flow and having a group of people support you. No matter how private of a person you are, God says that for you to bear fruit will require you to learn to live with other Christians. To live with other Christians, not just to attend a prayer meeting, go to church, work in ministry together, Or even go to a small group together. It is doing all these things. Not some of these things together. But sharing life together. There are some who have established roots in other places. And through life you moved or you left another place of worship. And for whatever reason it is that you find yourself here. And we want you to find your roots here with us. And some of us have found that at one point or another the connection is where we belong. And then life happens, and we are moved to another location. And you might be one of those people who have been planted and uprooted several times throughout your life. You might have been grown to think this cycle is normal, this type of cycle. But this cycle takes us from one place to the next like leaves blowing in the wind. And so we might have ideas of what somewhere else might be like. The idea of more incredible experiences and excellent opportunities. And this is a cultural mindset in churches and jobs, ministries and marriages and many other parts of our lives. We move from opportunity to opportunity expecting something new and grand in our next step or our next adventure. So the minute we establish a, root, a robust root system, it, it makes us nervous. We start getting connected, and we start making friends, and we start having relationships. We can get a little nervous. We feel like something will happen soon to change our current circumstance. We're waiting for the shoe to drop, so to speak. And that word, which is similar to a vine, that word root, when we look at it, it is mentioned 19 books and occurs 43 times. And the word rooted Is mentioned 21 times in the Bible, and the word roots are mentioned 10 books and appears 19 times. And along with this word, the root is is a vine. And the vine is mentioned in 27 books and occurs 58 times. So I'm going to say that a root is important to God. Being rooted is important to God. Being close to the vine is important to God. That word is defined by Webster's dictionary as part of a plant that extends itself downward and which fastens the plant to the earth. God emphasizes in his word that roots are essential in a Christian life. So, the language of vine and branches points to the idea that Jesus is the vine. And this language also points to us. Say us, say me. We make up the body. The branches of that vine, which shows that only one root truly matters. There's only one root that matters, and that is Jesus. But we can get lost along the way. We could start thinking about how we could have a better opportunity if we leave and go to another location. But I say, what are we really saying? And what are we really looking for? It was Jesus telling us in John 15, verse 5, He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. How many of us are without a ministry or calling or even a sense of purpose because we get a little stir crazy when things get tough? And that is not just here in the church. I've, I've I had so many jobs throughout our beginning of our marriage. I can tell you that every time I got a little bit nervous or the things seemed to get a little hard, I went to the next job. Sometimes staying put and staying consistent is more powerful than trying to look for a new opportunity. Your ministry doesn't have to be preaching, teaching or evangelizing in a church. You know, many of us are called to witness in a job setting, and we are called to evangelize to a lost and dying world. So you might be a carpenter, you might be a house cleaner, you might be a teacher, you might work for a computer company. Your job, whatever it is, it's not your first job. We're called to to talk about the gospel, to witness to people that are on our jobs and in the settings that we have the opportunity to speak life into their situations. Because I tell you, there's a lot of people outside of these walls that we are sitting in that are in a world of hurt and, and they just desperately want somebody to speak life into their situation. They just want somebody to reach a hand over to the cubicle next to them and say it's not going to be that hard forever. There's going to be a change in your life and you can experience it and there's hope that you don't know about and there's a God that will take all your situation and make it better and it's the truth we have a lot of people that we sit next to every day I know it's Wednesday many of us worked and they're just looking for you to say something to be that hope that's not my notes But the sooner we get past the idea that the world revolves around us and start realizing that God is the vine and Jesus is the vine, the sooner we might begin to bear fruit. You see, our lives are to be centered around that root or that vine. We are to be tied to the earth by the vine. Another way it can be said is that we are tied to the truth, which is the vine. So if we are to know who we are or who where we're supposed to be, it starts with being founded on truth and centered on Christ. You see, we live in our culture, especially this Western culture, that many of us have known our whole lives. It tells you and it teaches you to be individualistic, to be the type of person that thinks about yourself. How am I going to climb the ladder? How am I going to get to the next opportunity? And this is a selfish outlook that we have in our everyday life. So a contrary thing would be that we would say to somebody, hey, I can help you, or hey, there's hope for you. Imagine that, that every day you think about yourself, and then one day somebody doesn't think about themselves, they think about you. It changes your perspective. It's a contrary thing to the world that we live in. And it is Jesus who says in John fifteen seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So you might fear staying in a specific place. The fear might be due to circumstances with finances or individual family and how things might work out. But if God is in it, then why are we afraid? Jesus says, if you remain in my word and are faithful, I will give you whatever you ask for. So someone might need proper context on that verse, though. So I'm not saying that you go out and you buy mega millions tonight and God's going to give you that winning number, and then, you know, I'm not saying that, but if you are in his word, you will have wisdom and gain knowledge of heavenly things, realizing that the riches of this world are just simply dust and ashes. Jesus is saying that if you have a need in your life and you are to remain faithful, you will get what you need. Because in true godly wisdom, you will find that what you need is truly what you want. Jesus goes on to tell us in John fifteen eight, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have held my Father's commands I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Those of you listening right now are online, are here under the sound of my voice. I want you to know something fundamental to understand. You are loved. Whether you felt loved or not up to this moment, you are loved. Even when you are having a difficult time loving yourself, you are loved. No greater love does a man or a woman have than if they lay their lives down for their friends. But God chose to be made low by becoming the very creation he created and put on flesh. Jesus decided to walk on this earth for 30 years, gaining friends and loved ones and enjoying the richness of what this life had to offer. And this same Jesus looked at us and said, even though I might be giving up everything, I am willing to give it up all for you. Maybe the most humbling proposition is that if you were to be the only person on this earth, he still would have climbed upon that cross and died for you. This is the vine that we are tethered to. This Jesus is the root that bears our burdens. And he is asking us to be a family, a body. And we are to humble ourselves in the midst of each other to elevate one another beyond our stations in life. A body that is a family. And I have seen and I have experienced where people feel like their contributions to a group are unnecessary. Or that they are just an added nicety to the overall success of a team. And so maybe that is true in some teams, on your job, wherever you be, but I can't imagine being authentic like that in a family. You see, a family is a team, an established group of people living under the same roof, pulling together, living life together. A family that values its members is more effective than a separated family that is pulling in opposite directions. That is why in most instances and in most marriages, there's that one person who is the spender and the other who is a savior. Now, if you're both spenders, things might always be tight. But I would also say if you're both savers, then things might be boring. To be a real team, there need to be established roles. Going against those roles creates chaos in the home, in the work, social groups, and even in churches. So the way that we are wired to combat that as humanity is not to inject ourselves into groups. We tend to stay outside the group until we feel invited into the group or when we feel like we have something of value to add to the group. And our staying away from groups is a byproduct of a nature that God put in each of us. God didn't design us without a proper plan and a purpose. So we do not believe that one day there was this tremendous cataclysmic explosion in space and everything was just suddenly created. I would say, although that might be precisely what happened. God spoke and designed all things. The moment that God spoke things into existence, there was life. God is science's answer to the Big Bang question. They believe in the Big Bang, yet we know God spoke everything into existence. So the theory of the Big Bang might not be that far-fetched from the idea that it was God's voice that made the actual bang. You see, science hasn't caught up yet, proving to that truth. And the way things are going, they may never have that revelation. But everything in the universe and in nature points to a divine creator. A God who with simple mention of something created intricate and magnificent things. A God who took dust, was first created by his voice and then made man in his own image with that dust. God could have quickly spoken it into existence. Still, God took his time with man showing intimacy and intentionality with his creation. And we can look at examples of God's love throughout nature and space and even look over time. You see, God loves us and shows us daily through a rising of a sun and the setting of the same sun, giving us light at night and beautiful tapestries of stars and constellations. And through his hand, he created maps and signs for us to return to him. Everything with a purpose. God is a fantastic, absolutely fantastic artist and designer. And while I was an atheist, I remember watching documentaries about whales. And I'd often be blown away at the enormous mass of creatures and think they seemed so complex, being so large, yet eating some of the most minor things on earth. And I would often wrestle with with the thought that if chance had created such a complex creature and vast ocean, it was nearly impossible for that creature to survive. God's word points to the idea that if it is through nature, he reveals himself to us. Whether that is in the spirit we carry deep within ourselves or the nature surrounding us. Take the trees of our world. The plants of our world consist of 320,000 known species of plants and 60,000 species of trees worldwide. And these plants and these trees have root systems and different designs of how they are planted and stay alive and thrive in other conditions. Each other species has unique ways of growing and living in different environments in which they have been planted. If you would show the the, uh, picture of the Japanese bamboo tree for me. Not that one. Yeah. So that's a sapling right there. Of a bamboo tree so we try to find what we are looking for in many different places the issue is that we think that we are looking for is not where we are our present location doesn't seem to be where we need to be and we are looking for something that feels more comfortable and stable we have all heard the grass is not always greener on the other side maybe that's true has a lot to do with perspective But that is why I like how this is stated. It says the grass in the neighbor's lawn is greener, but the water bill is higher. (laughs) We look forward to what is to come. We look forward to graduating. We look forward to retiring. We look forward to getting the kids out of diapers. We look forward to the next thing. And we often do not take the time to see the things that are right in front of us. And it is never an accident that you are here. Where you find yourself right now is where God brought you to. That doesn't mean that you will be here forever. It simply means you might need to learn something before moving on. The problem is if we look at the green grass on the other side of the fence, we miss the lawn we have been given. We can't wait for some point in our lives to pass because we will miss the importance of this moment. Imagine how many people we miss with that critical God conversation, with just rushing to the next thing. And this is not just practical, but it is also metaphorical. Because our lives are fast, and it goes so very fast. I think some of our loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord. I think of those who were once here with us and now are living in other cities, worshiping God at different locations. We spent so much time thinking that we would have another opportunity to spend time with them, and we neglect the people we treasure most frequently than we realize. God reminds us not to forsake the gathering together. Hebrews 10.25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Everyone is important. We need one another. You will always be useful. Even when we think we have stopped being helpful, it might look a little different, but we still need you. And roots require rainfall. Seeds require rich soil. No one lasts with shallow roots, but no one will survive if we do not help them accept into building those roots. This picture that has been behind me for a moment is not just an excellent way to illustrate the importance of roots. Our sight to remind you of sources, but instead it is a specific root. It is a Japanese bamboo tree, and the significance of this tree is that it has a rare growth cycle. The tree is planted and remains the same size after six months. Six more months, and it remains the same size. Another year, and it remains the same size. Yet another year, and it remains the same size. But in the third year, something begins to happen with that sapling. And it grows five times its original height in that third year. If you'll show that in another picture. You see, a family in need or attempting to bond to the root system within the body of Christ requires spiritual guidance and discipline and discipleship. We must expand our roots if we want to maintain our growth and see families restored and strengthened. Someone doesn't look like you, doesn't speak like you, might not seem altogether there sometimes, or is just a little strange then the uniqueness of who they are is exactly what we need. We need different thoughts, different attitudes, and different ideas. That is how we grow. It amazes me how connected people are after I see them attend a small group from Refuge Church. I've had people attend a small group, and it seems like just a month later we are watching them grow, and you can see a visible change in how they interact with people who have been here a while. You have to make your roots deep. If you sit them deep and amongst the other roots of those planted around you, there is an excellent benefit to sitting those roots deep and intertwined with other hearts. It strengthens your roots and it puts them in place. The most significant gift is that if storms come and problems happen in your life, it becomes much harder to uproot and be swept away. I'm closing. Musicians can come. In Matthew 3, 6 through 12, we see John the Baptist preparing for the coming Messiah. There was a warning issued to those that would consider themselves above the living of the word of God and the call to love one another. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by how you live that you have repented to your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the acts of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming sooner who is greater than I am. So much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave or to carry his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, burning the chaff with never ending fire. If you will stand with me, it is the little things that cause the most damage to the root system, the little inconsistencies that are introduced. Whittling away at the nutrients and the density of the root little by little. Eating away at it it causes the core to be exposed and damaged. It is the caustic things that are introduced that eventually kill the tree. And our lives need to be taken care of. The caustic things need to be removed and the damage reverted by the light. And the nutrients that once formed the root brought back to life. It's never too late to renew the root in your life. You just have to go back to what made your root strong at first. You have to learn to trust again. You have to learn to love again. You have to learn to forgive those that have hurt you. And then the root can be reestablished in your life. Jesus never meant for you to be alone. Even Jesus couldn't heal everyone or address everyone's needs. That's why Jesus said extraordinary things you're going to do. But to do more incredible things requires us to be solid in our root system. I can't do more than the roots established in my life. Let us find a place to pray this evening. There are a lot of things that we can be in prayer for this evening. Even if the roots in your life are vital, pray for someone else's roots who might not be fully established. Pray for those whose roots have been damaged and exposed to this life's elements. And be in prayer for those who left Jesus and severed their connection with the vine. Jesus.